Well, thanks so much for joining us on our weekly sermon podcast. We pray that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see that God is moving in your life. Thanks so much for joining us again. God bless. Matthew chapter 22 is where we'll be, uh, and then we'll jump over to Galatians chapter 5. So Matthew uh, 22, verse 37 to 39, it says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now flip over to Galatians chapter 5. Some of you just got to Matthew chapter 22. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21. It says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, And things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it is alive and active and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. God, it is able to get into the places of our hearts and even our minds that nothing else and no one else can, Lord. And, And we ask that you would do that today. Whatever worldview we have, Lord, I pray that you would ultimately shape it into a biblical worldview. God, we don't have authority over your word. Your word has authority over us. And God, we ask, Lord, that you would just lead us by your word. Guide us by your word. Help us to be so familiar with your word that when we do have discussions that arise in our our lives, Lord, about these hot topics we've been talking about. Lord, may we have an answer to give that person, and may it not be our own answer. May it be yours. May it be the truth of God that sets people free. And so, Lord, we commit this time to you. We ask that you would just invade this space and help us to be so sensitive to your leading and guiding. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, repeat after me, if you would. God is good. Jesus is real. His word is alive. I am his. Very nice. So, before I get any further, bring your Bible every Sunday. Every Sunday. Because you will hear me or whoever else is up here on a Sunday or even on a Friday to turn into your Bibles. I guess that counts if you have an iPhone or an iPad. You can flip the screen on. You will never hear me say that, though. Please flip your screens on, too. But bring your Bible. There is an importance to it. We want to know the Word of God. We want to become familiar with the Word of God. We want the Word of God to stick to our hearts. Uh, David even says, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And in order for that to happen, we have to know the Word of God. Uh, and I know I help, we help you out with putting it in the bulletins and, and up there. But listen, there's nothing like holding a physical copy of God's Word in your hand. And if you need a Bible, we will definitely get you a Bible. We have Bibles on the, 
the back um, uh, thing over there, whatever that's called. So uh, another accessory. Um, visitor center, that's a good one, okay. Good thing this is recorded, so we'll remember that uh, wording for next week. Anyways, all right, so uh, was it last week that we went inviting uh, people to our Easter service? Okay, so if you haven't had an opportunity to invite somebody to the Easter service, I highly encourage you to do that. Uh, even if you're not a part of this church, your church most likely has an Easter service. I would encourage you to invite those people in your community to your Easter service. Uh, why? Is it because we want a packed house and we want everybody to come on Easter because it's like the Super Bowl Sunday for churches? No. It's, it, I mean, Christmas and Easter, let's be real. It's, those are big days for churches uh, and Mother's Day. Um, but listen, that's not the goal. The, the ultimate goal in inviting anybody to Easter service or a church service in general is for them to hear the gospel. Amen? That's the whole aim behind it. It's not so they can sit in nice bright orange or red or whatever color chairs these are or, you know... Um, Anyways, I wanted to share, uh, share a few stories because I, I went last week, but it didn't stop there. Inviting kept happening, and I want to encourage you with this, maybe to help put your guard down a little bit, uh, just to, to, to be encouraged to go and share. Um, but there was a couple uh, uh, instances last week where... Um, uh, we, we were out inviting, and in this one particular one, there was a guy on, on his truck, and he was putting camping stuff or something on top. And so uh, I went up to him, and I said, hey, how's it going? And he gave me this blank stare. He didn't speak any English. And I barely speak any, what is it, poquito espanol? Uh, that's me, yeah. So anyways... Now, you, you Spanish speakers are going to, like, grill me after service because probably, I probably spoke street Spanish or something. Um, but that's why we need you. Everybody needs to know about Jesus and even the Spanish-speaking community. Anyways. So I, I say, hey, how's it going? And, and he says, no habla inglés. And that's where I knew this was going to be my most challenging one. Anyways, so I gave him a card, and, and he kind of put his hands up like this. And I, and I said, uh... Um, the only thing that came to mind was Jesus Cristo. Am I right? All right? Okay. And he says, oh, okay. And, and uh, I don't remember what I said after that, but he looked at it, and, and, and he said, uh, donde? <laughs> and I said, Iglesia? Right? Right? Is that? Okay. Anyways. He got it. He said, oh, 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 okay. And that was the extent of our conversation, because obviously I couldn't dialogue with him after that. Um, but who knows, maybe he'll come and maybe uh, we'll have some translators here to translate the gospel for him. Who knows, that would be awesome. Uh, so there was that one. But it, it didn't just stay there for the, the, that weekend. It went into my week. Um, I went to, uh, uh, to a store and I got to talk to these two young girls and they were trying to help me with what I, what I needed. And... and uh, one of the girls said, you know, it's uh, interesting. Well, hold on. Let me back up a little bit. They asked me for an email. And now, I already get bombarded with emails, so the next best email I can give is my wife's email. So she can get bombarded by emails. <laughs> and so I gave her my wife's email and her... I, I can't say the whole email because then you'll spam her as well. So, um, But uh, it's got 
777 in it. And, uh, and so she asked me a question about the latter part of the, uh, the email because there's a, a graphic design type thing in there. And she says, oh, are you a graphic designer? I said, no, I, I'm not, but my wife does a little bit. And she says, oh, okay, well, what's the significance of the sevens? And I said, well, we're believers in Jesus. We believe that seven is a number of completion, perfection. And, and uh, she says, you know what's interesting is that all week I have seen the number seven. All week. And while I was there, while I was dialoguing with her, the lady, the coworker next to her said, okay, I'm, I'm not making this up, but look how many unread text messages I have on my phone. Seven. And then she printed out my receipt. And, and the, the register number was seven. And then my total came up. And there was a seven in it. And she says, okay, this is really weird. And she says, maybe I should go try playing the lottery. Mm, no, don't do that. And so, to be honest with you, I was going to leave it as is. I was just going to, you know, say thank you, grab my stuff, leave, and do the normal thing. Well, I get back in my car, and I kid you not, every time I tried to put my key into the ignition, I kept missing. I don't know if the Lord had my muscles spazzing out or whatever, but I, I couldn't get in, 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 in the ignition. And, and, uh, and finally, I look over at my seat, and next to me are some Easter invites. And I was like, ah... I see. So I go in and I said, you know, I, I, I think the number seven that you guys are seeing has a lot more to do with the Lord than it does with luck at this point. And I said, I'd love to invite you to the Easter service just so you can hear the gospel. And, and they were very appreciative of it. Uh, but remember from last week in my point number two, don't be weird. I wasn't weird. I was just being obedient. Uh, now some of you may think that's, that's kind of Never mind. I'm not going down that road. But listen, the question I have in, in us inviting is, what if someone is waiting to be invited? What if somebody is waiting to be invited? And you're the person that God wants to use to invite that person to church, and in turn, that person's life gets completely transformed. What if it's you? So don't be afraid. Uh, if, if we're to be fools, let's be fools for Christ's sake. So, but if you go to T-Mobile, just know they've already been invited. I, I already got that part of the city covered anyways. So we've been in this series called Hot Topics, and, uh, and uh, the first one we did was on government. The second one we did was on abortion. The third one we did uh, was on sexuality, and this one happens to be uh, on race, racism. Uh, it's a very hot topic within our culture today. Um, we see Black Lives Matters, we see Antifa, we see all these different things that are coming to the surface, critical race theory, and, and on and on and on and on we can go. There's an issue with race, and it's very apparent. And so what is our stance as believers towards this uh, is, is my ultimate goal for this morning. But as I prepare these messages, my mind can't help uh, but go back to this verse uh, which is found in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Listen, the topics we have mentioned so far are strongholds for the many who are trapped in these topics that we have talked about. 
and the ones to come. This one and our next one, and, and there are so many more topics that, that we could pull out. But I want, I want to help you understand what a stronghold is when it comes to biblical usage. Uh, by definition, a biblical definition, it's anything on which one relies of the arguments and reasonings by which a disputant endeavors uh, to fortify his opinion and defend it against his opponent. The arguments for the Democratic Party, the arguments for the pro-choice movement, the argument for the LGBT, LGBTQ plus community. Listen, these are all based off of secular beliefs. They're all based off of a worldly belief. This is not a biblical belief. This is not a godly stance. These are worldly beliefs, secular beliefs. These beliefs are not founded upon a biblical worldview. Rather, it is founded upon whatever is true for me is all that matters, no matter if it hurts anyone else. What's true for me is all that matters as long as it's good for me. What's true for me is true for me, but I can tell you this, is that is exactly what, what is our problem with our world today, is they don't know truth. The truth they know is the truth that they have made up on their own. But we hold in our hands the word of God, which is our truth. It has lasted throughout the ages, and it will continue to last. But listen, these views, so to speak, that people have built upon, they've built upon the foundation of sand. You remember the story that Jesus tells about one man who built his house upon the sand and the, the waters came and the winds came and it, what, it blew that house over, it knocked that house over, but the man who built his house upon the rock, the wind came, the water came, the storm came, but that house was founded upon the rock, therefore it did not become destroyed. Listen, we have the rock and his name is Jesus Christ. Okay, he is our rock. He is our foundation. He is our everything. And so when people who base their arguments on what feels good, is good, and they encounter a season of hardship, listen, they're blown about by the ever-changing culture of this world. They have no foundation that will hold them up in the midst of all that they're going through. How many times have we seen a culture change in the last three months. You, I can't even count. It's ever-changing. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? But listen, it's not just the people of the world. You may think that you're building your life upon a strong foundation, but you may be deceiving yourself. Just because you come to church, just because you listen to podcasts, just because you read your Bible, does not automatically make you a Christian. It does not automatically mean that you are building your foundation upon the rock. So be sure that you're building your foundation upon Jesus. See, the people of God do the same thing. They start building their foundation upon sand, and here's the reason why. 
because they don't want to offend anyone, anyone with the truth. They want to make sure everybody feels good at the end of the day, that nobody's uncomfortable, that nobody ever talks about the hard issues like homosexuality or abortion or government authority or any of those things. They don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. If you find yourself at a church like that, one word, run. See, they want, they want to appease the appetites of those who take a worldly stand. Okay, we've got worldly people in here now, but we don't want to offend them with the gospel, so we're just going to make them feel good for their time, as, for their time here. Uh, listen, at the end of the day, th this is the truth. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. So why not stand for the Lord? Because in the Lord, we find our truth. Thank you, Bob. Amen. And when you know he is truth, when you discover that he is truth, here's what you're to do. Stand. Stand for that truth. And listen to this. Pastors have done a major disservice to the church at large with most recent pastors apologizing for their stance on LGBTQ plus uh, to leading their flock into a Marxist culture. Uh, listen, pastors have been swept away by the tide of this culture. And like I mentioned, if you're a part of a church where the pastor of the church is afraid to speak the truth, one word, run. It doesn't matter how well of a preacher he is, you may understand him clearly, but if he is not speaking the truth, run. And I'm not tooting my own horn on this. I'm not saying, come here because we, we talk about these topics. No. I know what it's like to be in their shoes. I know the pressure that they feel from some of their elders and board members and, and, and the like. we got to get more people in here. we got to see the finances come in. Don't do anything to offend them. But I, for one, no longer wish to succumb to the tides of the culture. I refuse to be swept away. My decision, and I hope it's your decision as well, is to stand firm upon the rock, Jesus Christ. Uh, Cliff actually posted this the other... Uh, I'm putting you on the spot again, I'm sorry. Um, he posted this on his Facebook. Now, everybody go friend request him. Like, just do it right now. Uh, but it was by uh, Michael Youssef, uh, an Egyptian pastor. Uh, and this article is, you need to read it. Uh, as I read it, I begin to, uh, began to become convicted over my, my own uh, ministry, if you will. But I love what uh, Youssef says. He, he says, I've always believed, as goes the pulpit, so goes the pew. As goes the pew, so goes the culture, he continued. As a pastor, I put the full blame on us, right in our laps, because we want to be liked, loved, and followed on social media by millions of people. Pastors are the culprits. We need to be about Jesus, not about being liked, because that is deadly as far as the gospel of Jesus Christ is concerned. Thank you, Michael uh, Yusuf. It's true. It is exactly true. Um, if I offend you at, at any point, I'm not sorry. <laughs> this is the word of God. This is the truth. 
And if you are offended, I pray that the Holy Spirit does some convicting work in you to lead you to repentance for us in-house and even those on, online. But listen, I'm not looking to be liked. I'm looking to faithfully preach the Word of God every Sunday or whenever I have an opportunity to be up here to faithfully shepherd the flock, you guys, into green pastures that God has for you through the Word of God. Now, this is what I believe pastors should do, but what about for the rest of us? I don't know who said it, but it was in the same, same article. Here's what we're all called to do, pastor or not. Love big, then lock your knees, stiffen your spine, and preach the Word of God. And if culture doesn't approve, love big, lock your knees, stiffen your spine, and preach it again. Come on. That's what we're called to do. No matter what culture thinks about our stance, we know that our stance is upon Jesus, and that is truth. So, on that note, let's talk about racism. We need to understand what the believer is called to. Uh, in Matthew chapter 22, uh, the context is that Jesus had just silenced the Sadducees, which he often did throughout the Gospels. But the Pharisees, another group of religious leaders, were not happy about the fact that Jesus shut up the Sadducees. And so one of the uh, Pharisees, who was a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, and the question was intended to test him. And the question was, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And to which Jesus replied in verses 37 and 39 through 39, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. For some reason, it is one of the hardest things for our world to do right now, is to love our neighbor. Just drop the as yourself part out for a moment, but to, to love your neighbor is excruciatingly hard for some. And then we take it to another level, as yourself. See, Jesus laid down the biblical mandate for all believers, and it, it's quite simple. To love all, the Caucasian, the African American, the Latino, the Korean, the Vietnamese, the Chinese, and on and on and on and on it goes. It doesn't matter your skin color. Jesus wasn't specific. You shall only love the African American people. You shall only love the white people. He said, love your neighbor. That is encompassing everybody. Not just certain people groups, but everybody. Even the LGBTQ community. Love your neighbor. If we aren't loving, how are they ever going to know the love of God? See, the love he has called us to is not an emotional type of love. And I think so many times we get worked up over things, and sometimes we are the least bit loving to our neighbors, even to our own family. See, the love he has called us to love with is not based off of our emotions. It's based off of the love he has poured into us. You know the love of God. You know how the love of God looked past your sin. And looked at Jesus' righteousness. Not your own righteousness, but Jesus's. See, the love that we are loved with by God is to be the love we are to love others with. Did you catch that? The love that we are uh, loved with by God 
is to be the love we are to love others with. Listen to 1 John 4, verse 20. If anyone says, I love God, and there are a lot of people saying, I love God, I love Jesus, but I don't like Him, I don't like her. Listen to what it says. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother who he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Now, for some, that's pretty offensive. You mean to tell me i got to love that person down the street? You, you mean to tell me I have to love that person even though their skin color is not the same as mine? Yeah. That's what Scripture says. It's not specific to a certain skin color. It doesn't matter what skin color you are. See, racism, at its core, is hate. See, hate is the opposite of love. And when we are full of hate, we are most like Satan. Yet when we are full of love, we exemplify God's love for that individual. See, at the end of the day, God doesn't love you based off of your skin color. That would mean his love is not unconditional. But because his love is unconditional for you, he is not looking at what color you are. He loves you because he created you. That's why we are to love our neighbor. Is because each and every person in this room, believer or not, God has created that person, whether you believe it or not. God has created you. And when we think of racism, most of, most of us, and, and you might have something different in, in mind, but many of our minds will take us right to the white versus black. That is where we land because it is this most prevalent issue right now, white versus black. But did you hear about the, uh, the shooting in Atlanta, Georgia, Georgia this past week? Those weren't black people. Or many of us will take us to the civil rights movement of 1964 when Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, and etc. stood for equality and justice for African Americans. Many of us will go to that position or that thought or that, that I remember this. But listen, this issue we're talking about is not a struggle against uh, skin color. Listen, it is a battle of light and darkness, of good and evil. If God was concerned about skin color, He would have made one color. Don't you think? But that's diversity. God is incredibly amazing when it comes to creating people. The person sitting next to you looks nothing like you, do they? <laughs> Thank goodness. Oh, man. <laughs> but listen, I believe God values diversity. And when diversity, the differences within us, and unity meet when they collide, it's a beautiful thing. Psalm 133, verse 1, it says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Unity. So, why is racism sin? Point number one, 
It disrupts the unity that God desires for all humanity. Now, I don't know how many of you are familiar with this critical race theory and, uh, and, and what it is and how it works and all that. I'm not going to get into the depths of it, but uh, it is the belief, ultimately, that America is a fundamentally racist country. The critical race theory seeks to solve concerns about racial inequality, but instead of solving problems, it creates new ones. There used to be another word for this. Stereotyping, ultimately. You see, viewing someone different based on different qualities or characteristics. And when we view someone as less than, because you're not the same skin color as I am, we're ultimately saying God messed up when he made you. God messed up when he created you. That's ultimately when we're saying, when we cause this division because of skin color, we're ultimately saying, I don't think God knew what he was doing. See, when we take a racist stance, it ultimately goes to show that we aren't concerned with unity. We're not concerned with the fact that God desires unity for all humanity. See, the devil's tool to divide is disunity. It's, it's this... You're not like me, so therefore we can't even look at each other. We can't even talk to each other. However, the Lord's tool to unite is diversity. See, when we look past the skin color of another, it is a holy slap in the face to the enemy. When we can get past that, when we can say, I don't care what skin color you are, it's slapping the enemy in the face. It's saying, God has called me to love. God has called me to be united with my neighbor, no matter their skin color. I remember at Harvest, uh, one of the pastors who uh, was kind of a mentor to me, he was sharing a story how his parents grew up in the, uh, the black and white days, if you will, where uh, the segregation between white and black was at a, at a high, if you will. And he told me how much his parents hated black people. Now, they grew up in a small town, and it was predominantly white people that lived there. And I remember him sharing how hostile the white people were towards black people. And so one day, I don't know what caused him to do this, uh, he took a swab test for Ancestry.com just to see his ethnicity, his racial background, all that stuff. A couple weeks go by, and he gets his results back, and he finds out that he has 6% African-American in him. And the look on his face was ultimately a look of joy. So he told me, talking to, or, or as he would have to talk to his parents, it would be definitely an interesting, eye-awakening thing for them. But listen, at the end of the, end of the day, whether we are 100% of a nationality or not, can I tell you this? We are 100% sinners. It doesn't matter if you have 6% Latino, black, Caucasian, on and on and on. I can tell you this. We are 100% sinners. 
And since we are 100% sinners, we are in need of the blood of Jesus to cleanse us from our sins. So when we look at Scripture, uh, just like abortion, many people will argue that, well, you Christians should just stay silent when it comes to these topics because the Bible doesn't mention abortion. You shouldn't talk about abortion. Since the Bible doesn't mention racism, you shouldn't talk about racism. Many people will, stay, will say, stay silent, stay out, and shut up, because your Bible is, is irrelevant to what we are dealing with in our culture today. And this is why many pastors and church leaders have fallen into the woke church, because they don't want to offend anybody. If it's not in the Bible, if, 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 if there's no mention of abortion, but there is mention of life, if there's no mention of racism, but there is mention of diversity, and we still better stay silent. We better not say a word at all, because we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want our big givers to get upset. But God's word addresses sin. And racism, as we'll see, is sin. Because it disrupts, number one, it disrupts the unity that God desires for all humanity. And throughout scriptures, we see that there are 20 vice lists in the New Testament. Sin lists, if you will. M mentioning many sins. Uh, but one we're going to focus on just for a moment is Galatians 5, 19 through 21, like we, we read uh, a while ago. It says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity... <sighs> sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. If you look at the middle sins, if you will, they are social sins. But would it be fair to say this, that racism is enmity? That racism is strife? That racism is fits of anger, that racism is rivalries, that racism is dissensions, that racism is division. Would it be fair to say that? Because that is exactly what is happening in our world today. But ultimately, racism, point number two, stems from pride. Another word for pride is haughty. Not that type of haughty, but haughty, H-A-U-G-H-T-Y. Arrogantly superior and disdainful. Proverbs 6, verse 16 through 19, it says, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among the brothers. Racism. Summed up right there. Ultimately, racism stemming from pride. Pride is thinking of oneself better than the other. See, pride is an ugly monster that ruins relationships, ruins the individual uh, without the individual really even knowing it. Pride is like this. It's thinking you can be the president of the United States just because you're better than you can fill in your own. At the end of that, 
See, pride divides. It is the ultimate reason why there is segregation based on ethnic backgrounds. One ethnic group thinking that they're better than the other. It's pride. And pride is sin. Pride is a big-bellied sin. And most of the sins that we see in our world today are the offspring and issue of pride. Some of the sin pride gives birth to are things like covetousness. Because you believe you deserve something more than others. Pride gives birth to ungodly ambition. Because you believe that you are most qualified and the idea of someone else being preferred over you is an insult to your perceived worth. Boasting. Because everyone should know who you are and what you have accomplished. A judgmental attitude. Because you believe the errors of others are much more serious than your own. Last one, hypocrisy. Because you must hide the truth, your own failures, in order to avoid shame and accumulate praise. This is pride. Pride gives birth to these sins. Pride is a big deal. Pride is sin, and pride ultimately gives birth to racism. The last point, i got three minutes. Um, racism is demonic. Racism is demonic. Uh, we can take a, a, a lot of different approaches towards racism. We can take a historical approach. We can take a political approach. We can take a theological approach, a philosophical disagreement type of approach. And all these are good, but we need to see that the fight against racism is more than just that. It is, it is a spiritual war. See, we cannot talk about racism without talking about what Satan wants. When we talk about racism, we cannot forget him. But let's get this straight. Satan lost the war when Jesus was crucified. Amen? But it doesn't mean he's given up. He is still prowling around looking for those whom the Bible says he might devour. See, Satan will use whatever he can to ruin lives, including racism. Racism is not just a fight against government or law or individuals or a system. See, it's a, it's a fight that confronts Satan and his demonic forces. This is what Satan wants, is to have a nation divided because of racism. Nothing would delight the devil more than for Christians to believe racism in America, and particularly the church, has been dealt with. He wants us to believe that. It hasn't been dealt with. That's why we're talking about it. That's why we bring these issues up. So how do we fight? I'm glad you asked. Or do we fight? First and foremost, we fight with what we have been given, the Word of God, the armor of God. It is armor given to us because God knew and knows His children will be in a constant battle. 
against the principalities and powers of darkness. It is not a fight against another individual. It is not a fight against your neighbor. It is a fight against the principalities and powers of darkness. In the armor of God in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, uh, he goes through uh, this list of what God has given us. But there's two weapons that I want to point out, which is the Word of God. Verse 17, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Listen, we don't fight false ideologies with more ideologies. We, we, we don't. It doesn't work. See, we fight false ideologies with the truth of God, with the Word of God. And in the Word of God is where we find the truth of God and what we need to combat against these false ideologies. See, with the Word of God, we're able to demolish the strongholds that the enemy is blinding others with. The second one is prayer. Verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. What happens when we pray? A prayer is acknowledging this, that I don't have an end to this. That we do not have what it takes to bring an end to these matters, such as abortion, such as sexuality, homosexuality, such as racism. It's saying, God, I don't know what to do, but I know you do. Prayer is, is acknowledging that truth, that God, God knows what needs to be done. It is saying, God, this is the need. The need is to end abortion. The need is to end racism. The need is to end ungodly leaders in places of authority. These are the needs, God. And you can meet them. You can meet the need because you are powerful. That is what prayer is. It's saying, Lord, we can't do anything. But you can. So in closing... Do I have the answer on how to end racism? Yes. Second Chronicles 20, verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For there is no power in us to face this huge horde that is coming against us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's how we end racism. We keep our eyes on Jesus. Not on the differences in people, but on Jesus. That's where we'll find the unity that he desires. Let's go ahead and stand. Close out in prayer in a chorus. But I would encourage you to have uh, more discussion with one another on these topics. In our pre-huddle that we do... Um, we could have kept going, and I'm sure we would have still been back there talking about this particular topic. Uh, I went to a very liberal uh, uh, county this weekend, and uh, be thankful for the county we live in. Say that. Um, I won't tell you where I was. If you're friends with me on Facebook, you already know. Um, <laughs> but listen. God is not done. God is not finished. God is working, and we need to acknowledge that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Lord, I, I would love to uh, 
see all of these issues come to an end, such as abortion and sexuality issues and racism. Lord, but I believe that even in the midst of these topics, even in the midst of the ever-changing tides of our culture, God, I believe that you are at work. God, you are, you are peeling back the layers, so to speak, to expose where the stench is coming from. And God, we ask that you would give us wisdom and how to, how to talk to these people who might be caught up in, in these issues, Lord. I pray that you would give us opportunities to, to stand for the truth. God, we ask that you would just be glorified in our lives. God, we want to live for you. That is our desire, Lord. And we ask that you would help us to do that daily, not just on Sundays, but help us to do that every day of our lives. God, we thank you for your word and the power of your word. And how when it does go forth, it will accomplish that which it was purposed to do and it will not return to you void. So Lord, would you unleash your word upon our community, upon our state, upon our leaders, upon us, God. Lord, we ask that you would go before us as we continue just to walk close to you. Help us to follow you well. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.